0: In the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of not even being able to to have some of the basic things that we take for granted yet, God's doing a work and, and working through his people. Amen. Well, hey, good morning. It is good to be here. We're going to be wrapping up this series entitled Even Then and super excited to be bringing this to a close um, Pastor Tim and, and John and the family are actually on vacation here this coming week. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for them to get away and get some rest. And an opportunity for me to get up and speak and, and uh, bring this series to a close. Pastor Tim will be back next Sunday. Be jumping into the fall series. And we look forward to that as well. Uh, today we are looking at this last week here, even in suffering. Even in suffering, I will worship I'm going to be really honest with you guys. Greg Miller here, our uh, our production director, uh, suggested uh, this morning that maybe we should have changed the title to Even in Uncertainty. Uh, Twelve hours ago, there was no power here. At about, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, some of the production guys were over here and we were, the power got restored, praise the Lord, because uh, it's going to get a little hot today. And I was, air conditioning is nice, amen? Lights are nice, amen? Sound is wonderful, isn't it? Man, I was watching all of this this morning and worshiping with you all and thinking, praise the Lord for electricity. And uh, But we're going to keep worshiping no matter what. And uh, what a great uh, fitting into this as well. If you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. We're going to uh, jump back into the book of James. We've been tracking mostly throughout this book here in this series this summer. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here as well. Um, it was kind of nice early in uh, in this series. Uh, I kind of was able to speak in James chapter one as we're going through trials and suffering, and then to be able to kind of book in that as well. We see here in James chapter five, uh, verses seven through twelve. We're going to kind of carry that into part two a little bit here of of how we handle the sufferings of life. And if you're taking notes, point number one is be patient and set your hearts firmly on the hope in Jesus. Be patient and set your hearts firmly on a hope in Jesus. Verse 7 starts off this. and says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how a farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. So he he jumps into this by saying, be patient, therefore. And we're going to start with that, therefore. And around here, when we when we see a therefore, what do we say? What's the therefore? Therefore, and, and this is a connecting word. It's really looking back to the previous verses here. He just was addressing a little bit of this letter to those that were rich, and he's not talking about the believers. These were those that they were dealing with in that time period, and they were taking advantage of people. They were taking advantage of the believers here as well. And, and uh, really had some, uh, some strong words of common, uh, condemnation to them. And verse 4, it says, for the wages of the laborers were who mowed the fields which you kept back by fraud are crying to you. And the cries of the harvesters harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And he ends in verse 6, he says, the, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person He does not resist you. So he's saying, look, because of all of this, because of the persecution, because of the suffering that they were going through, therefore, now this next section that we're gonna look at here today, he says, you ready? Be patient. Be patient. Be, really the idea there is be long-tempered. I I saw one uh, theologian kind of, kind of uh, define this as, as kind of set, one's, uh, set, set a timer on one's temper. It was kind of the idea of this long-suffering patience. To set a timer on your temper. And he goes on, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers. Okay, so who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. Everybody say Believers. I agree with you. So he's talking to the believers that were under persecution, that were in, within these sufferings. And he's saying to be patient, brothers. And why? Because until the coming of the Lord, be patient until the coming of the Lord. He says, be patient until Christ comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom, really is the idea there. It's that, talking about that reference to the second coming, and he's saying there's a whole lot of things that are going on, but it is down, right down the road, he's going to mention it again in the next verse, and so be looking for what Jesus is doing and is going to do, and because of that, we can be patient, and he gives an illustration with that. He says, for instance, take the farmer. Look at the farmer here, he says, how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. So the farmer there in Israel, uh, we know that their um, growing season is a little different than ours. So they, they would plant in the fall and they will uh, reap everything. They will have the harvest then in the late spring time. And so what would happen is they they would be about October or November or so, you would start having some rains. It would be a little more of a wet season. And that was a great time to plant because, one, the rains would would kind of soften up the ground that they could plant the seeds. And then those rains would help to germinate those seeds to get that, that growth started. And then they would wait then through the winter until they get to about mid-March or April, and then they would count on more rains that God would provide then that would bring those fruit or bring those uh, plants to, to fruition, that the fruit on the vines and all that would take place and become ripe, and then they were ready to harvest. And all of that really is saying, look, the farmer is very diligent in doing his work, but through the whole process, He's waiting on God to provide the rain. And all God's farmers said, right? You gotta have the rain. There are things that he can control, and there are things that he can't control, that only God can control. But through the whole process, he's saying, just like that farmer who is patiently waiting and waiting for God to do his part as the farmer does his part, that's the same way he says to us when we're going through times of suffering. Verse 8, he says, just like that farmer, verse 8, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You also, just like that farmer, now you be like that farmer and be patient. He really just repeats this past verse again. Be patient for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Be patient because God's doing a work. Because there is a hope that is to come. Be patient because this hope is, is coming and it's drawing near. Now, really what he's talking about, I mentioned this uh, a, a number of weeks ago in the week number one. Remember that phrase I said, frustration is a result of expectation. What's he doing right here? James is really, under I mean, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, look, as you're going through sufferings, we need to reset our expectations. We need to understand that there's process. Just like a growing season, there's process and reset that expectation. Understand that expectation is a little more in the long haul and a little less in the short, immediate response. It's kind of hard to hear sometimes when we're in the middle of suffering, isn't it though? In the middle of pain. He says, because the Lord is coming soon. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled a little bit with this this past week. I don't know about you guys, because as I was uh, working on things, studying on things, I actually wrote in in my notes here and kind of bolded it. I said, how do, this is what I wrote, how do we do this or do with this being written 2,000 plus years ago? You ever thought about that? The the coming of the Lord is at hand, man, it's right here. And when he wrote this was a little over 2,000 years ago. And so I kind of wrestled on this this past week some, and here's some things that I came up with. Maybe this will help you. Number one, life is short. Eternity is long. We need to have the right perspective. Number one, have the right perspective. Life is short. Even those that live a long life on this earth, in light of eternity, it is just a blip on the map. I also started thinking about this even the last couple of days. If we, man, if, if someone makes it into their 90s or even into uh, over past 100 a, a years old, right, we, we would say that is really old lifespan. But you look in the book of Genesis and they were living to eight, 900 years old. <laughs> even within human race, right, uh, uh, what we would consider a long life is not near even what it used to be. But in light of eternity... Life is short. And then, number two, one way or another, eternity is near. Whether it's Christ coming back or whether it is us passing away, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, either way, eternity is near. Number three, Jesus is king. He's in control. He's in control now, and he will be in control as he sets up his actual physical kingdom to come. But he's in control. He's king. Number four, God is growing us. God is growing us. He's refining us. He's doing a work. Many times the things that we're going through, the sufferings, is all part of the process that God is doing, and it it may fit into the things that he's doing and accomplishing the purpose that he has, but a lot of that is because of what it's doing in me, because of how it's growing me, how, how it's bringing about change in my life because of my sin nature, because of my inclination for sin, because of sometimes even my like of sin. And God uses that to grow me, to refine me. And then number five, so we can trust him. We can trust him. He loves us. He cares for us. He is present and with us. He strengthens us. It says he gives us the amount of grace that we need for each day, for each situation, for each trial, and each suffering. And he sustains us through that. We can trust him in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Establish your heart. Set your perspective. Set your expectation on the fact that we serve Jesus, the living hope. We just sang about that. Verse 9 continues. He says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged Behold, the judge is standing at the door. "Do not grumble," it says. And as you look in there, really, the, the idea in this, this word grumble," it's not talking about the loud complaining. Uh, there's a different Greek word that's used for here. This grumble is more talking about just that, the, the, that smoldering, uh, rather kind of bitterness, resentment type thing that, that we would have towards others. That's really the idea. When it's talking about grumbling to others, it's talking about just that, that bitterness that we would have, that internal moan or groan here within there. And he's saying, look, be careful not to be uh, grumbling at one another. Brothers, okay, again, who's he talking about? Believers. And a lot of times I was thinking about this and how does that relate? Well, I know many times when we're going through pain, it's easy to get discontent, and it's easy to get a little bitter and resentful for others. I sound familiar? He says, be careful of that because the judge is watching. In Matthew uh, chapter uh, 7, Jesus said, you know, judge not lest you be judged by the measure that you judge others, you will be judged yourself. It's the same kind of principle they're saying, just be careful how we are, how critical we are of others. By that measure is what God's going to apply to us is really what he's saying here. And he's saying, so be careful of that grumbling, that resentment that, that may take place within you because the judge is watching. Because the judge, everybody say, that's Jesus. I agree, the judge, that is Jesus, because he's here, he's present, he's watching what's going on. I thought of it this way, you remember uh, for us uh, with uh, uh, our children when they were younger and now our grandchildren, you know, when we've got them for a period of time and it gets a little too quiet in the other room, (laughs) and you kind of do the, go to the door and you peek around the corner and like, what's going on in there, right? Because the judge is watching. Do I need to step in here or not? What are they doing? What's going on there? That's kind of the idea that we see there. And really what he's saying here is that uh, it's not to become bitter or resentful. Can we agree? It's okay to exclaim that life hurts. It's okay to say this Is tough whatever it is that I'm going through right now. This hurts, but resentment and bitterness is off limits. We still need to be to keep the unity and the harmony within the family of God. Be careful. Sometimes we say it this way: hurt people, hurt people. Have you found that to be true, folks? When we're going through tough times. Don't hurt people. But I understand it. It's easy when you're going through struggles and pain. It's easy to lash out. So what do we do when we're in, in, in times of suffering and hurt? Here's the top three three ways to battle suffering. Top three ways to battle suffering. Number one worship not wine. Worship not wine. Again, it doesn't mean that there isn't pain, but just kind of as our mantra, my God can, my God will, and even if he doesn't, I will worship. I'm going to worship through whatever it is that God has for me and is going to take me through. Number two, encourage, not complain. Encourage, not complain. Complain. I'm gonna look around and see who I can be encouraging in this process and who around me I can encourage instead of looking around who is around me that I can complain to, right? By the way, the, what's the top two commandments here summed up, Jesus says, love your Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. That's what we're, that's what we're saying here. Number three, be Christ-centered, not self-centered. Be Christ-centered, not self-centered. It's not about me, it's about you, Jesus. You want to know how to set our hearts on the right perspective? Continue with that mantra, it's not about me. It's about you. I want to worship, I want to encourage, and I want you to be praised. Um so last fall, um, I went through a, a little season with, with some pain of my, uh, on my own here, myself. Um, the day before Thanksgiving last year, uh, I woke up about five in the morning, and I couldn't get out of bed. My back was hurting uh, so much I couldn't hardly move, and uh, I was uh, supposed to be heading into the office that day. Again, the day before Thanksgiving a couple weeks earlier I'd kind of tweaked something we'd been on a trip to uh, Pastor Pierce and I had gone to uh, harvest Spanish town and been a part of there and some of that kind of there had hurt a little bit, but I was feeling better and uh, no big deal but uh, on that uh, wednesday I, I I couldn't move and I'm kind of doing some things I had my wife get some some ibuprofen and and uh, the more I'm kind of talking there and she now knew, was wide awake and knew that I was uh, in a little pain. And she's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to be all right. And I know what she's thinking because I'm thinking it too is we've got Thanksgiving here tomorrow and all this family coming in and all this that was going on. And finally, she says, would you please call and go see the doctor? And at that point, it's about 630. I said, you're probably right. That's probably a really good idea right now. And so I was able to call, get in there. They got me on some really good drugs. Right? And and a lot of, so what do you think about it? He's like, let's just get through the next couple of days and then got in, got an MRI and had a couple of bulging discs and and some things there. Now, I I say all this to say, I I even hate, honestly, I hate to even mention this because the the pain that I was in is so small compared to so much of what so many people are going through. For me, this was a little taste of, of what people that actually have chronic pain, go through all, all the time. And, and for me, it was a little season here from Thanksgiving through Christmas, and uh, just had to be real careful uh, just how you move and things like that. I, uh, sometimes that my family would laugh at me a little bit because I was moving like a, uh, like a little old man who was not doing real well. And, uh, and through that, after that, I was able to get an injection and really been feeling better and just kind of up and down a little bit. But there were some things that God was doing in and through that. and oh, total, Totally, I, I'm not sure, but I know there were some things that I learned. Um, like I said, I got a taste of, of chronic pain. I'll tell, all of a sudden, the sympathy level for what other people are going through went way up. For me, this was something that slowed me down. Some days came to a grinding stop, Right. And it makes you appreciate so many things around. For me, just a a comfortable chair that's got a firm back on the back and you get in that right position, right? And when you're kind of hurting a little bit and hurting a little bit and then you get in that right spot, man, that feels good. It's nice. And you start to appreciate stuff around. It makes you more thankful. Makes you real thankful for doctors. Even more thankful for drugs. Drugs makes you thankful for your family, you know, like when your wife has to tie your shoes for you because you can't bend over. You get real appreciative of things, right? And I think so many times that's what, for me, God grow, was growing me. And I don't know what you're going through right now. And maybe nothing, but I have a feeling there's something coming around the corner. Are we going to worship through those times? even then, even in the pain, even in the difficulty, even in the midst of the struggle, will I worship you, Lord Jesus, no matter what? That's really the call here. So let me ask you this. What are you going through? What is it? Think about it in your mind, and maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's situation something's going on at work maybe it's relational maybe there's been this constant struggle and friction with somebody else maybe somebody close to you and there's some relational pain whatever that is let's allow God to work let's be patient let's understand that he's doing a work he's in control And let's set our hope on him. Let's realize this is just for a season. And I've said a lot about what Jesus will do. We've said this uh, even there. Here he's addressing this to believers. Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. I've got to just even throw that out. There. If that's not you, man, today is the day. Today's the day that we admit that we're a sinner, that we believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, and he's alive. He's our living hope that we have, and we confess him as Lord. We say, you're in charge. If that's you, then you have hope. Then you have the hope and the assistance as we're going through those times of suffering. Point number two, remain strong in the Lord like Job and the prophets of old. Remain strong in the Lord like Job and the prophets of old. Verse 10 says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As an example there, he gives another example here. First we saw the example of the farmer. Now he's saying, look, remain strong here and and be like the prophets of old. Now, to the Jewish audience, they would have immediately, man, a number of things I'm sure would have come right to their minds as as he refers back to the prophets of old as he refers to these prophets. There's so many examples of those prophets and part of the job of the prophet was to be the mouthpiece of God. God would speak to the people and then they would uh, speak out to what God had to say to them. Today, we can know what God has to say through his word. Much of what the prophets said are are contained in God's word here. But if you think back to over and over, these prophets, and you think of their lives, and you think of their circumstances, and the things that they went through. Think of Moses. Moses, man, he started off in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years after some, some struggle there. Uh, early on, that saved his life with his mother, um, putting him in, in, the, in the Nile River, and, and God saved him there. And then he came back, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and then they wandered around for 40 years. You think Moses knew a little bit about suffering? Yeah. How about Elijah? Elijah, man, talk about a guy that went from highs and lows literally on Mount Carmel and uh, the 450 prophets of Baal, and the next thing you see, he's running for his life because the king's trying to kill him. Or Jeremiah. Jeremiah would continue to speak the words that God had and and what did it get him? Well, it, it, he got put into stocks. He got thrown into prison. He got thrown down in a muddy pit and stayed there for a season as well. You think of Ezekiel, that as, as God called him to declare his message, and with the death of his wife and all of that, and yet still continuing on in that ministry for Daniel, who was taken away as a, as a young man into exile and left all of his family behind and then was raised up through in the Babylonian Empire and then... Eventually, because of his stand for, for Christ and prayer, he was thrown into the lion's den. You think of Hosea, who God called him to go through this horrible marriage and, and all of the infidelity and things there as God was using that even as a lesson and a, an illustration for the nation of Israel. You think prophet after prophet. And so, as he's saying this, he's saying, guys, when we're saying about being patient, when we're talking about suffering and in and, 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 and that, understand, man, start looking at those examples at the things that those guys went through, and yet God still blessed them, and God still walked through that with them. Everybody say God has a plan. plan. He does. God has a plan. The next verse there in verse 11, he says this. Behold, we consider that those, those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It says, behold, when we see behold, what do we say? Check it, Check it out, man. Check this out. It's what James is saying. We consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Don't miss this, guys. Check this out. When we remain steadfast, God's saying that we're blessed. We see God's blessing on us. When we remain steadfast, when we stay the course, when we continue to endure without wavering, even through the tough times. And he he gives another example of that, was, was the example of Job. Remember the life of Job. Job was a man of God. He stood for the truth of God. He had his family. God had blessed him. He had a lot of wealth. He had many children, to the point that when Satan came in before the presence of God, he said, "Hey, check out Job. Man, that guy's got it going on." And then through that dialogue, Satan said, "Well, yeah, because you're blessing him with so much," and he says, "Okay, okay, we'll see." I'll let you, I'll let you do some things. And we see there Job, he lost his his kids. He lost his wealth. And eventually he loses even his health and he's going through painful season as well. But through it all, it says, Job did not curse God. As you read the book of Job, you see there were some times where he asked some pretty serious questions. Even after all of that, and Job remains steadfast, Job stays the course, then what does God do, man? God is compassionate and merciful. He then just showers it onto Job, and he replaces his his children, and he replaces the wealth and all that we see there. Understand that that man, God had a plan. But even through all of that, this side of eternity, there's nothing written that says Job even knew what it was all about. I'm sure he does now. But even through that, and yet he said, What? My God can, my God will, and even if he doesn't, I will worship him. That's the example here of Job that, that they're referencing here. Stay the course. Be steadfast. Keep moving forward in your growth and worship of Jesus. And then verse 12 says this. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. But above all, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or any other earth. So here he's talking about above all. And really the idea there, it's, it's not even that this is more. This is really important here of, of really what he's saying. And he's saying, stop the ridiculous swearing. Okay? He's talking about the, the making of vows swearing, not the bad word swearing Okay, in, in our terminology. But he's saying, stop making these, these big promises by heaven or by earth or by some other lofty thing as if it would lend credibility to, but yet there was no real way to be accountable to. So if I go back on my word, it really doesn't matter that much. Again, he he refers to Matthew 5, Jesus also addressed the same thing as well with the Pharisees, that they had all of these different things that they would do when they were trying to emphasize that I'm really serious about this and making a promise, but I might break that promise down the road. So it would be things like, I would swear by my mother's grave, who's alive in Virginia right? It's the things that it was like, he's saying, stop all of these swearing of things. This is not talking about never taking an oath, okay? We know we we have marriage vows that take place that that God calls it. It says the the, the apostle Paul several times uh, made a vow before God. Even God himself in Psalm uh, 110, 4, it says, God even makes vows, and, and make so. So it's not that we never do it, but it's just this, this wavy. Well, I'll swear by this or by this, or by this. But he's saying instead of that, just plain and simple. If you say yes, mean yes. If you say no, mean no. If you say yes, you'll do it. Then follow through and do what you say. And if you can't, then say no. And so the idea is just. Stand by your word. Stand by your word. We give an account for everything we say, for every promise, commitment that we make. I don't know about you guys, but, but sometimes early on, and again in our, our parenting days here, we, we would have this, because in, in our house and growing up, we, we tried as, as best we could. I'm not, I'm not saying we ever did it completely perfectly, but if you said it, then we try to follow through with it. And so the kids knew pretty much, if we said it, we meant it, right? But, and sometimes it'd be either Tiffany or I, one of us would be in with the kids and they were doing something and we would hear the other one say, if you don't stop right now, I'm going to, or we're not going to, and then usually the other one was kinda, you could tell they are let their wits in and the other one of us would come running in the room, no, 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 wait, wait. Be careful what you commit to, right? because we felt like if we said it, we had to do it, and it might punish us all, and we didn't want that. So be careful. Make sure, make sure we agree on this before we're all gonna be punished and not go to whatever the place was or whatever the thing was that we were going to do. That's kind of that idea. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. All of this here. In suffering, as we're patient, Enduring, worshiping through that, remaining strong, staying the course. Can you see it here a little bit? You go back to to James chapter one. What do you say? I count it all joy when I encounter various trials because of the testing of your faith, because of the steadfastness that's produced that brings about completion and maturity. That there was process. We can be joyful even in the pain because of what it's doing in us and how it is growing us and the maturity that it's bringing and the hope that we have that Jesus is right there with us, walking through us, will sustain us and very quickly we're gonna be with him in eternity and all of this pain's gonna go away and there'll be no more pain, no more tears and we don't have to worry about all of this then. Hang on. Stay the course. I was thinking about that, and, and I was thinking about our brothers and sisters in, in Haiti right now. And uh, so many of you, I've had just a number of people even ask in the last week how things were going. Uh, let me sum it up this way. Um, things are really bad in Haiti. They seem to be, we see moments where you think, well, maybe it's going to get a little better, but it seems to be actually getting a little worse at times as well, uh, the... the, the turmoil within the country, the lack of the rule of law and the gangs that are in control and the crime and the breakdown of most of the institutions. I, I, I felt guilty last night as I'm praying, hey, Lord, can, can, you, can we have the power on? That's a, that's a daily thing in Haiti. That, 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 that's just a normal thing there as well. And, and we're in a lot of correspondence and able to talk with Pastor Abraham and Jock Mill as well. In the midst of all that's going on yet, God is doing a work God's doing some some incredible things. Last weekend, I got a slide here, some pics. Last weekend, they were able to have a big conference in Jockmel, and in the midst of all that's going on, and and the the hope was that all of the leadership of the uh, 10 churches that we have of the uh, Summit Planting Initiative Network would be able to come down for this. As it turned out, the northern uh, churches were not able to come because of the, the, the lack of safety. They, they can't go through Port-au-Prince because of how bad it is there. But all of the churches from Port-au-Prince on down to the south were able to come to there. You see there, there's the pastors and wives. Uh, they're on that picture on the right as well. The kind of fade in the background is actually a picture from uh, the uh, uh, Harvest Jacmel. Uh, it started, I, I think they did some things Wednesday night, but really Thursday they, they jumped into this conference through Sunday. They were able to Facebook live uh, most of the, the, the big sessions there as well. Uh, I was able to tune in to several of them. Great worship. I have no idea what was preached on. I don't understand French Creole <laughs> very well, but I was able at least to comment on there. Hey, guys, love it. Praying for you guys. And, and we were uh, in back and forth communication with Pastor Abraham. He was sending pictures to me uh, on Friday, a bunch as well. Um, and, and you see there that they're talking about Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 was kind of the main passage that we see there. And the fact that they were talking about the perseverance. I can, I can pick that word out there in French, right? The perseverance. The the staying the course. As we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12 says. I can imagine and I know of a lot of what he was talking about. They were there. A lot of the folks from Harvest Jocmel were there. A lot of the, even some of the leadership of some of the churches in the Jocmel area were able to come to this conference. All of this here was just a testament that God is at work in Haiti. Amen in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of not even being able to, to, to have some of the basic things that we take for granted, yet God's doing a work and, and working through his people there, and the gospel is going forth. And praise the Lord, we were able to partner with him a little bit of that, even to, with some funds to help with some of the transportation costs and that, because the price of gas, and I mean, it's just, it, it, it's just a lot but God's doing a work. He's, in, he's in, in control. He has a plan. We can trust him. We can have patience because the day of the Lord is at hand. Because it's not for much longer and he's doing a work in us right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. How are you doing? How's it going in your life? How's your growth process going? You, you see in areas where God is growing you, where He's challenging you? Are you able to celebrate and to worship no matter what? In the good and in the tough? In the laughter? And through the tears, but I'm still going to worship you. Let's trust him in that. Experience his care and protection. Worship him even then. Let's pray.